When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets Podcast. So, on this episode, uh, we have three games to go over. Uh, the 76ers game, the Wizards game, the Hawks game. And, uh, of course, the Dinwiddie contract, Karuk starting, Brooklyn Baller of the Week. We actually have a pretty packed episode, to be honest. So I hope you guys are excited. I know we are. Before we get into things, I just want to say, make sure you go fo- subscribe to us on... I, I always want to say follow. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter, at Nets. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets. We just figured this out. If you just look up Brooklyn Nets on iTunes, we are, like, one of the first podcasts to come up. Um, we're trying to become the most highly rated Brooklyn Nets podcast, so make sure you guys go leave a five-star rating and review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast. We have two to read today, in fact, so we'll get to that in a minute, but before we do, I want to say shout-out to Hot Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company, uh, the official sponsor of all the Hootball podcasts. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. If you want to go check them out, you can go look them up on Amazon, Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company, or you can just follow them on Twitter at Hi Kona Coffee, H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Um, so yeah, let's get into the two reviews. So one of them is by Daniel7072. Why didn't I find this sooner? I've been looking for a fantasy podcast to cover my favorite team for a long time. I've been a diehard Nets fan since Vince Carter went chest to chest with Alonzo Mourning in 05. These guys are the best. The energy Mr. Adams, I mean, you can just call me Najee. The energy Mr. Adams brings every episode is remarkable, and I love how Mr. Jacobs is so knowledgeable about basketball. I would love to show this to my league mates, but I'm afraid to share where I get my knowledge from and lose my edge. Keep up the good work, guys, and thanks for helping me dominate the chumps in my league. Okay, so we don't cover specifically fantasy basketball. But we cover stuff that would help with fantasy. See, I, I get what he's trying to say. Reading box scores and like breaking down the game and the the moves that teams make definitely does impact fantasy basketball. And... If you specifically have Nets players, like if you own D'Lo or Jared Allen, Dinwiddie, any of them, and then you listen to us and go based off of that, buy low, sell high, stuff like that, of course it would help. So we're not a fantasy podcast, but I know what he means yeah, by you that. Yeah, the information we give can be translated into fantasy. If you're listening to this and you want to check out fantasy podcasts from HootBall, uh, Dan Bestress is our basically podcast king. Uh, he, he hosts his own podcast, uh, the Fantasy NBA Today. You can find it on iTunes. Just look up Fantasy NBA Today. Or you can look up the box score breakdown, also by HootBall, also about fantasy basketball. Um, 
Next review is from Joe, one of their brethren. These guys are awesome. They really know what they're talking about, and it also helps that they are hilarious. I always found myself cracking up during the podcast. Anybody looking at these reviews who are on the fence about it should definitely give them a listen because they are really great. Um, thank you. We appreciate it. We try and be funny because we listen to podcasts too and we hate the ones that are just super boring. So like we try and just be ourselves and hopefully it flows. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. But thank you, Joe and Daniel for the reviews. Um, like we said, every review is getting read on the podcast. So make sure you go leave your own. Okay, so let's get into the game. The Nets beat the 76ers 127 to 124. They outscored them 37 to 28 in the third quarter. And they basically dominated the entire second half. They only got outscored by seven in the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, Their biggest lead was 13. Longest run was 13 as well. They actually won the turnover battle by one, even though it was 16-17. They got out offense rebounded 10-7, but ended up tying in total rebounds 37-37. Okay, so they allowed the Sixers, without Jimmy Butler, to shoot basically 55% from the field. So, the Nets are back to allowing their opponents to shoot 50% from the field. The good thing is, the Nets themselves shot 51.4% from the field. They shot 50% from the three-point line, while the Sixers shot 42.9%. And then, for one, which is very rare. This is the most important part of the game, and the reason they won. They took 43 free throws. That in itself is insane. You rarely see a team take 43 free throws. At the rate they shoot, you'd expect the Nets to make like 29, 30. They made 37 of their 43 free throws, which is 86%. While the Sixers only took 16. And made 12. Shot 75%. The Nets took more than double the Sixers free throw attempts. That's crazy. And won the game by three. So, on to the total box score. So, first of all, they beat the they beat the Sixers on the road, which is impressive. Because the Sixers have a great home record. Um, we're going to start with the Sixers in the box score. Furkan and Korkmaz scored 18 points on 8-14 shooting. He started for Jimmy yeah. Butler. He started at the 3 for Jimmy Butler. He had 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 steals. Uh, Joel Embiid, he's a monster. 30, 38 minutes, 33 points, 12-18 of 18 shooting, 2-3 of three from the field. 17 rebounds. He had 33, 17, and 6. He, he also had 6 turnovers he always, and 5 well, fouls. No, last time they played, he did not have a great performance. But the first time they played, he did. And the third time, he did. So we'll see what happens the last time they play. Simmons also had a great game. 22 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. 6 defensive stats. And 9 of 15 from the field. So it was basically you know what's crazy that I saw the other day. Ben Simmons hasn't hit a shot since November thirtieth. He hasn't hit a three since November thirtieth of twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, he's also smart in that he doesn't take threes. He knows he's not all of make his them, threes so have been like half court, full court sh- chucks. Yeah. That, but just think about that. Like, how many threes does Steph Curry make in a season? Over four hundred. And Ben Simmons hasn't made one. Since 2015. Yeah. It's almost 2019. Yeah, he's he's about as good of a shooter as Dwight Howard. That's, <laughs> that's crazy, though. Like, the amount he has a ball in his hands, he hasn't made a three in four years. Yes. That's insane. Dwight Howard and Shaquille O'Neal have more career three-pointers <laughs> than Ben Simmons. On to the Nets. Um, 
Joe, wait, one last player on the Sixers, TJ McConnell, 28 minutes, came off the bench, 17 points. He only missed two shots. He was 8 of 10. Uh, he only hit one three, so all of his 17 points basically came from two-pointers. He had four assists, two rebounds, three turnovers. Now he can move on to the Nets. Old reliable Joe Harris, 29 minutes, 14 points, two of three from three, five of nine from the field. He didn't really add much else outside of points as he only had one rebound and two assists, but he still shot well. Rondé Hollis had a horrible game. Three points, one of six shooting, four rebounds, and four steals. The steals were good, but he was one of six from the field. Poor game. Jared Allen got destroyed by Embiid, so that held him to 16 minutes. He only had eight points and five rebounds. Allen Crabb had a good game. 20 points. This was, his, was this his last game? Yes. Yeah. 20 points, four three-pointers, five rebounds, two steals. And D'Angelo Russell with a subpar 12 points, 5 of 10 he shooting. He had more points seven than he did assists. shots, though. Yes, and he only played true. 22 minutes. Also had three turnovers. Um, Ed Davis with his normal 7 points, 10 rebounds, 2 of 4 shooting. Damari Carroll, 6 points, 1 of 5 shooting, 7 rebounds. The impressive players in this game were Rodion's Karooks, who... At 13 points on four of six shooting. This was just the beginning. With three steals in his 19 minutes of action. And Spencer Dinwiddie. That This is a whole nother story, this type of game. So if you noticed, no one yet has had any huge numbers. So how did the Nets put up 127 points? Also, how did they shoot? How many free throws? How did they shoot? Uh, how did they shoot 43 free throws? So, Spencer Dinwiddie himself shot 14 free throws, and the Sixers as a team shot 16. And also, everyone who came off the bench took four free throws or more. Literally. Literally. Dudley had four free throws, Damari Carroll four free throws, Ed Davis four free throws, and Rodion's Kirk's five. So, between those four before Dinwiddie, that's already 17. Spencer Dinwiddie and Alan Crabb alone... Had more minutes, had more free throw attempts than the Sixers as a team. Dinwiddie only had two less than them as an entire team. Those other four on the bench had more than the whole Sixers. (laughs) Literally, that's crazy. But we're beating around the bush. Spencer Dinwiddie, career high, 39 points, 30 minutes, 11 of 18 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3, 13 of 14 from the free throw line, 5 assists, 2 rebounds, 4 turnovers, 1 steal. 15, he was plus 15, which was second highest, second highest on, the, highest on team the team. To Damari Carroll's plus 19, despite, despite the poor performance. But this was just a monster game from Spencer Dinwiddie. And we left out one important player, Jared Dudley. Oh, yeah. Jared Dudley. Five points, two rebounds, one assist in his crucial 18 minutes of action. He was one of two from the field and one of two from three, so he hit two of four and free throws. Yeah, he missed two of the next six missed free throws. Wonderful game from from the second old reliable. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Dudley. Um, so, speaking of Spencer Dinwiddie, if, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you would know that he got extended. The Nets extended his contract this, what, like this Wednesday, I want to say? Be, no, this Thursday, because the Sixers played the Nets on Wednesday. They extended him on around Thursday. 
Uh, he got a three-year. It was first reported by Shams. He got a three-year, thirty-four million dollar contract extension. He could have signed for four years, but they both wanted to get into free agency quicker, so they just decided, hey, we'll go three years. So what I want to say, this is, was an absolute yeah, steal, a- amazing, one of the best valued contracts in the league by so, far. I'm going to read you some of the contracts that we found that are worse value than him. Just flat out worse value. Even if the yearly rate is lower, the value of the contract is worse. For example, the first one, Matthew Dellavedova. Four years, $38 million. That's $9.5 million a year, as opposed to Dinwiddie's $11.3 million a year. Dellavedova is not half the player that Dinwiddie is. So... That contract being as close to Dinwiddie's as it is is already a travesty. And then you move on to some other ones. All of the other ones on the list are higher yearly values and players that we believe are worse than Dinwiddie. So uh, three players that both that all have the same contract, Jordan Clarkson, Tyler Johnson, and Kelly Olynyk are all on four-year, $50 million contracts. The Heat went on a spree of getting four-year, $50 million contracts about that offseason as they signed Tyler Johnson and Olynyk to four-year, 50 mils, Dion Waiters to a four-year, 52 mil, and James Johnson to a three-year, 43 mil. So all and of those all players, all four of them are worse than Dinwiddie, in my opinion. So Tyler Johnson, Kelly Olynyk, Waiters, and Jordan Clarkson are all on worse contracts than Spencer Dinwiddie. Like that's crazy. Um, Alan Crabb, a, a form a, a current Nets player, four years, seventy-five million. That's insane. Evan in Turner. Case, in case you didn't know, that's eighteen point seventy-five million dollars a year. About. Uh, Evan Turner, four years, seventy million. So let me just tie this all up in a nice little bow for you. Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, Matthew Dellavedova, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Jordan Clarkson, Tyler Johnson, and Kelly Olynyk. And that's not everyone. That's just the people that came to mind for us. There's plenty of worse contracts too, for people that are worse than Dinwiddie or better, but have ridiculous money that they should not be getting. All of the players we just named are getting paid. Like Nick Batum's contract is another one, for example. Yeah. Five years, $120 million, and this season, Dinwiddie is playing much better than him. Every player we just named is basically making more than Dinwiddie, and Dinwiddie is averaging more points per game. Is just not, not just points per game, having a better season than every player we just named. If you don't believe me, this season, Spencer Dinwiddie, in 31 games... 28.6 minutes per game is averaging 17.2 points, 1.93 pointers, 2.5 rebounds, 5 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.3 blocks on 48% shooting. And he's only attempting 12.1 shots per game. And he's shooting 79% from the line, turning the ball over two times. It's a good season. He he has a great shot to win sixth man of the year if it wasn't for D-Rose, in my opinion. D-Rose is probably going to win it, but... I believe Dinwiddie's going to be in the three-man nomination for it when it comes down to it. It was a great, bottom line, it was a great contract for the Nets. And also, what I don't think a lot of people are noticing is, yeah, it's a great contract for Dinwiddie and the Nets because this now gives, like, the Nets flexibility because this is a great, like, contract to be able to move. Like, any team would gladly accept Dinwiddie's contract. It's not going to be, like, some type of contract that no one wants to take on. He's a, a good player. He's a good team player. 
He it, and it's a it's it's not going to be a, a a hold on your cap space. Also, they save money for free agency, allows them to extend D'Lo if they want, or not extend D'Lo, save money, use Dinwiddie at point guard, and get a big free agent. We might as well talk about that. It's it wasn't on our show agenda, but do you think that they should? Ex- do you think they're gonna extend D'Angelo Russell? It's entirely dependent on if Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard is willing to come to Brooklyn. If no. Then yes, they extend D'Angelo Russell because they can afford D'Angelo Russell and Tobias Harris. I mean, either way, deal is restricted, so I'm pretty sure they're gonna match whatever anyone offers him. I, my see, my best case scenario is they get D'Angelo Russell and Tobias Harris. That is what I want to happen in free agency. Of course, if Jimmy Butler or Kawhi will come, great. D- do I think that they will? Apparently, no. Kawhi wants to still go to the Clippers. Yeah, I don't think either of them will come to Brooklyn, but I do believe that Tobias will. And I believe that the Nets will match D'Angelo Russell, um, unless a team really gives him a crazy contract. Even and if, I don't know what team would like what what team's giving him a crazy contract. The Suns maybe. I can see yeah. the Suns giving him something sick because Devin Booker and him are good friends, and they yeah. need a point guard. That would be. I can see the Suns giving him something crazy. But besides the Suns, that that's just the first team that came to mind. I'm sure there's other teams with cap space that might give him a crazy contract, but. The Suns is the first one that came to mind for me. Um, on to their game versus the Wizards. This was the first game that Rodion's Karuk started because Alan Crabb is out right now. And he played a great game. 15 points, 5 of 6 shooting, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 0 turnovers. Great game. Um, overall, the uh, Nets, they, they basically... They led the entire game, basically. They had a short period in the first half where they didn't have the lead. It was only four lead changes. And they were all in between the end of the first and the beginning of the second quarter. So, they... It was just... The Nets dominated this game, which they needed. They needed to dominate a game like this. A trend that we've seen in these last two games, at least, is the Nets shooting over 50% from the field. And free throws. Exactly. Once again, they allowed their opponent to shoot 54.5% from the field. Uh, They shot 52.4% from the field. They... Shot 35.5% from the three-point line, while the Wizards shot 37.9. And And the difference of the game, again, the Wizards shot 56.2% from the free-throw line at 9 of 16, while the Nets shot 31 free-throws, made 26 of them, which is 83.9%. So, the turnover battle, the Nets lost by 1, 9 to 10. They Uh, dominated rebounds, 46 to 25. Yeah, they completely dominated them on the boards. Um, The box score... Uh, with the Wizards, uh, Thomas Adaransky didn't really do much. Jeff Green played 25 minutes. He had 12 points. He was 3 of 3 from the 3-point line, 4 of 5 from the field. He didn't really contribute much. Bradley Beal, he had... He, he com- had 30. Yeah, he bodied. He had, in 39 minutes, 31 points, 13 of 22 from the field, 9 assists, no turnovers, no steals, only 1 rebound. So he had 31 and 9 with no turnovers, which is crazy. Uh, John Wall, 17 points, 35 minutes, 7 of 16. He was 1 of 7 from three point from the three-point line. He He's had, had a very disappointing season, which yeah. has left As we're the saying Wizards this, he bad. completely clapped the Lakers That is true. Tonight. It was his best game of the season against the Lakers. Um, um, no one on the bench besides Markeith Morris, who had 15 points on 7 of 8 shooting, was really noteworthy. I mean... Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers combined for 24 points on 10 of 22 shooting, with Oubre having six rebounds and Austin Rivers having three rebounds and three assists. And this was both of their last games for the Wizards. Yeah, before the Trevor Ariza trade and everything. 
Uh, They're Mar- both on the Suns now, and Ariza is on the Wizards. So, yeah, Marquise Morris, 15 points, 7 of 8 from the field. Uh, uh, three rebounds, two assists, four turnovers. He was really the only person to really eat off the bench aside from... And they've been honestly treating him pretty bad, in my opinion. His minutes are going down. They benched him. I, I don't know why he's the target out of everything that happened, and they're playing Jeff Green and Sadoransky over him, but... Marquise Morris has taken a hit. He might get moved. Okay, so before we get into the actual box score, I just want to say, yet again, Spencer Dinwiddie took 11 free throws, and the Wizards took 16. He took five He's attacking the basket team. a lot. That's, that's insane. But since so we might as well start with him. Uh, team high, 27 points in 31 minutes. So in two games, he had 27 points and 39 points, which equals up to 66 points. Uh, Average of 33 in the last there two games. There we go, a math genius. Uh, yeah, in this game, he was only 2 of 7 from the three-point line, but he was 9 of 11 from the free-throw line. He added four rebounds, six assists. D'Angelo Russell, another subpar game, 28 minutes, eight points. Oh, wow, eight points. Three of twelve from the field. He also with added five turnovers. <laughs> wow. He also added nine assists and three rebounds, just in case anybody was wondering. Way to have the worst game out of anyone on the court and the only person on the team to shoot under forty percent. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Harris, old reliable, thirty minutes, nineteen points, really living up to the old reliable name, eight of thirteen from the field, three of seven from the three point line, six assists, two rebounds. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked about Jared Allen in a while. He had 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 he assists. He has been very subpar. 2 blocks. He is not playing his best either. And then Ronda Alice Jefferson, 32 minutes, 15 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. Almost like a, a very game versatile game. Like we, we, this is what it's we expect It's what you hope from Ronda Hollis. Um, off the bench, uh, Jared Dudley, old reliable number two, 17, just old, just old, 17, old number two, old number two, 17 minutes, nine points, three of six from the field, one of three from the three point line, five rebounds, two assists. I mean, uh, he's, well, I can't even say anything bad. Nine points, three of six, 17 minutes. He did his job. Uh, Ed Davis had his 8.7 rebound game. Like always, he's, he's very reliable as well. So, like we brought up earlier, Rodion's Crooks, the rookie, he started. Do you do you think he should keep starting when Alan Crabb returns? A hundred percent. I like I said, Joe Harris is a shooting guard. He is best suited to play shooting guard. Crooks is a small forward. So you start Alan Crabb, and Joe Harris is the three, and they lose. You start Crooks at the three. Joe Harris at the two, and they're playing their best basketball right now. And Kirks is playing well in his start. So The thing is, if Alan Crabb was still playing like he was playing in the beginning of the season, I'd say it was a no-brainer they'd do it. Even, but he started to pick things up before he got so, injured. Even so, I'd rather him and Dinwiddie come together as a unit off the bench. Well, yeah, that's what we would do. do we, would we play Jared Dudley 17 minutes? No. No. <laughs> what also I wouldn't do that is frustrating me, but I will not spend more than 30 seconds on it. Shabazz Napier has not played in the last two games that we've covered. He repeatedly is seeing zero minutes. And I just don't understand why, but I'm not going to I mean, Spencer say Dinwiddie anything about it. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's why he's not playing. Dudley much. and Carroll and Harris and Crooks can all see three minutes to Napier to get him to 12 to 15 minutes. But you know what? 
It's fine. Just keep him at zero minutes. Whatever. On to their game that... No, I, I agree. I'm not even going to brush under, under the rug. I agree with you. I think uh, Shabazz Napier should play way more than zero minutes per game. Like, Jared Daly plays 17 minutes. Take Let him play three minutes. Like, uh, uh, um, Shabazz Napier can easily score nine points in, on three of six shooting. He can even easily Dem- do that. Honestly, what I've been saying, I really think Damari Carroll should go to a contender and we should trade him away and get a draft pick cuz right now off the bench he is not he's not playing as like he's not serving the purpose he could serve for another team. If you give him to a team that needs a 3 that is in the playoffs, that is a grit and grind team, for example, the Grizzlies he will play much better in a system like that, and it will free up minutes for Napier, give the Nets more assets if they get draft picks for him. I I really think Carroll should be moved. That's my opinion. So moving on to the game that they just most recently played tonight, uh, like a couple hours after, a couple hours before we were recording this, the Hawks. This was a complete massacre, blowout. They outscored them forty-two to twenty-three in the first quarter. And then they outscored them thirty nine to thirty in the third quarter. They won one forty four to one twenty seven. There was one lead change, and it was very early in the first quarter. And the Nets never lost the lead after that. Yeah, the Nets had a twenty. Their biggest lead was twenty eight. The twenty one was in the first quarter. Yeah, their, the Hawks' biggest lead was two. So I mean, it, it was one of those like, oh, they got the first bucket of the game, and then the Nets just took over from there. And even with that, somehow. The Hawks shot 55% and 48%. I was just about to say that another pattern, the Nets, see, this is horrible defense because three straight games now, the Nets have allowed their opponents to shoot basically 55% from the field. They got lucky. They've got not even lucky. They've been good enough to match that basically. And they their offense has been so good that it doesn't matter what they're giving up right now. The games they were losing, it mattered because that's when they weren't scoring. They've been bailed out by Dinwiddie's 39 and 27. And now D'Lo's, what, 32? 31, I think? It's the fact... You know, 32. 32. And four players having over 15. It's the fact that they need to have these games in order for them to win. Because they know they're going to give up 120 points. Exactly. So they shot 55.7% from the field. Hawks shot 553 The Hawks shot 48.3% from three. The Nets shot six. The Nets shot 16 of 40, which is 40%. And yet again. Oh my God. Yet again. 30 of 33 from the line. 91%. The differential wasn't as big as it was in the other two games as the Hawks shot 19 of 25. So the Nets only attempted eight more, eight more free throws than them. But I can guarantee you, Dinwiddie had a, a, a lot, or or D'Lo had a lot. No, they oh, they, oh wait, Dinwiddie yeah. had Dinwiddie eight had free eight. throws, most on the team again. He's attacking the basket a lot, and he's impressing me the way he's playing. This contract is definitely looking worth it. So before we get to the box scores, just gonna go over the game real quick. The Nets won the turnover battle, thirteen to fourteen. They, the They've last three games has been even. by one. Been it's been by even. one. The last three games, um, they out rebounded the Hawks, thirty nine to thirty three. Now on to the regular box score. We're gonna start with the Hawks. So John Collins, he's been killing lately, as expected. He's the best player on the Hawks. He is the best player on the Hawks easily. He thirty three minutes, twenty nine points, thirteen of nineteen from the field, and eight rebounds. Eight rebounds. Yeah, not much else. One block. And he had a team low minus 28. <laughs> no, 
Dwayne, so much that did. Dwayne Dedmon, 31 minutes, 24 points, 8 of 12. He was 5 for 5 from the three-point line, 8 of 12 from the field, 12 rebounds. He had 24 I don't know when he started shooting threes, but that's insane. That, 5 of 5 from three. I'm pretty sure he could, he could always shoot, just not like 5 for 5 type of shooting. That's crazy. Um, Cap Bazemore, 20 points, 6 of 13, 5 for 5 from the free throw line, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, 7 assists, 3 rebounds. Uh, Trey Young, four of ten. He was only one of two. He only, he actually made the least amount of threes of the starters. That well, out of Dwayne Dwayne Denmon made five threes and Trey Young made one. So if that shows you how this game went for the Hawks. Uh, he had ten assists, three turnovers. He basically had thirteen and ten. And no one else is noteworthy. I just want to point out that Vince Carter is forty years old and he's still <laughs> playing. And he had seven points. True. Rodion's Karuk's his second game in the starting lineup, 28 minutes, 11 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 1 of 5 from three-point line, so it wasn't his best shooting Six night. rebounds and four assists. He is very versatile. He is a small forward. Compliment to Rondé Hollis, and it lets Joe Harris play the two. I do not understand why they would not do this. So, uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, 22 minutes, season high, 18 points, 6 of 10 from the field. He knocked down a three, went 5 of 6 from the charity stripe, uh, four rebounds, three assists. <sighs> Two steals. Great game around the house, Jefferson. Okay. Probably his best of the season. So Jared Allen is so completely in the doghouse due to his own lack of defense because he gets destroyed by any center who could step behind the paint. Dwayne Dedmon hit five threes on his yeah, head. He's a liability on the perimeter. Easily. So Jared Allen had 11 points on five of six shooting. Sure, that's great in his 14 minutes. He had four rebounds. And four fouls in 14 minutes. He He's just underperforming to a whole nother level. He was expected to be a, a 15 and 10 double-double reliable guy, and he has not been that so far this season. Joe Harris, a.k.a. Old Reliable, 25 minutes, 16 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. 6 assists. 6 assists, and then basically 1 rebound, 1 turnover, 1 steal, 2 fouls. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, 15 points, 24 minutes. He cooled down a little, 1 for 3 from the three-point line, 3 of 8 from the field. 8 of 8 from the free throw line and added 3 rebounds and 5 assists. Exactly. Still a solid game, even though it was his not it was not his best. Damari Carroll played a team-high 31 minutes, even though he came off the bench. 15 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3. He only had one, he only had one assist, 2 rebounds, 2 steals, nothing crazy. And, uh... Jared Dudley's best game of the season, 16, 16 points, five, wow. of, 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 7 from the 3-point line, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 25 minutes. This is what he should have done while he was starting. Do I ever want to see him? Is he ever going to do this again? Do I no. ever want to see him do this again? No, because that would mean he gets more minutes. So, I just want to point out that uh, Shabazz Napier had 2 points. He had 4 minutes, 2 points, 1 steal. He had, his only points were from free throws. He so. didn't get to attempt a single shot in his four minutes of action. He is seemingly playing the same amount as Kenneth Fareed, which is a travesty to me. But I'd rather whatever. play Kenneth Fareed over Jared Dudley, just saying. I would rather play both Shabazz Napier and Kenneth Fareed over Jared Dudley. Moving on to the basically, the player of the game, basically, 29 minutes, D'Angelo Russell, 32 points on 13 of 19 shooting, which is basically 68% from the field. He went 5 of 9 for 3, 6 rebounds, 7 to 6. 
assists, no turnovers, and two steals. It was an amazing game from D'Lo. This, for once, is a game I cannot point out a flaw because he shot... Didn't even have a turnover. He shot 68% and didn't have a turnover and only needed 19 shots to score 32. His best game of the season to me that I could point out no flaws. So, right now, the Nets run a five-game win streak, which makes them 13-18. and 18. They actually have the second longest win streak in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the second longest win streak in the league, actually, behind the Pacers, who are on a seven-win streak. So, the Nets are now the 10th seed. They are, what, two games back? of the. So, basically, the Celtics, the first... Okay. The yeah, first five it. teams, the Raptors, Bucks, Pacers, Sixers, Celtics, are one to five. They are going to be one to five in some variation. The Knicks, Bulls, Cavs, Hawks are the bottom four. They're going to be the bottom four in some variation. Then you have the middle. The Pistons, Hornets, Magic, Heat, Nets, Wizards. The six teams fighting for the last three seeds in the East. Do I think the Nets can make it? Yes. Are they better than the Hornets? Yes. Are they better than the Wizards? Yes. Are they better than the Heat, Pistons, Magic? Maybe the Magic. Probably not the Pistons or Heat, but they can compete with them enough to make the 8th seed, maybe. I, it's going to be close, and I don't think they're going to tank. There's no need at this point to tank. They're, they're in the middle ground, and they only have to hold out for another month and a half. Before Lavert is coming back, really. So, if as long as they can break even from where they are right now, I think they'll still be within a couple games of eighth seed when Lavert returns. I feel like we've gone over whether or not the Nets will or will not make the playoffs so many times since the season has started. But it's like. Will they make the playoffs? We don't. We, we really can't say. Can they make the playoffs? Of course. They have the talent to make the playoffs in the East. I, I just don't. It, it, it all has to come together They're for them. one of the deepest teams. They have the fifth highest scoring bench in the league. They can make the playoffs. They are deep enough. And no one will want to play them if they make the playoffs. Because they're scrappy. And on this five-game win streak, it's been clear what I the- believe if they find the Sixers somehow in the first round of the playoffs, <coughs> that they're going to tire out the Sixers in such a way that if the Sixers make it out, they're going to get destroyed in the second round. That's that's a bold prediction. I believe it would go six or seven with the Sixers. They'll probably lose, but they would tire them out so much that in the next round, the Sixers would get destroyed. If you Just a disclaimer. If you hear coughing in the back, I'm kind of sick, so that's that's what that is. So what I want to say is that it's been clear what the the difference has been in this five game win streak. Like it's clearly been they've been giving up fifty percent shooting to their opponents. They've been shooting fifty percent, and above all else, they've been shooting at least twenty five free throws per game and knocking them down at a very efficient rate, which they haven't been doing for the entire season. So it's clear that if the Nets get to the basket and stop focusing on shooting up so many threes per game, because they're one of the teams that take the most threes in the league by far. So if they get to the basket more and get higher percentage shots, then they can clearly compete with these teams. Are they going to continue to do that? I don't know. Hopefully Kenny Atkinson sees what we see, and he gets his team to the basket more, and hopefully they can continue to knock down free throws. On to the Brooklyn Baller of the Week. Everyone knows who it is. There's absolutely no way it can't be the man who just got the three-year, $34 million million contract contract. extension, Spencer Dinwiddie. Over the last five games, Dinwiddie is averaging 29.3 minutes, 24.6 points, which is the most on the team, 
Uh, 1.83, 2.8 rebounds, 6.0 assists. 52% shooting and 83.7% from the free throw line. And only 2.4 turnovers. So that, that's an, he's also shooting 8.6 free throws per game and knocking them down at an 84% clip. Like, that's an insane percentage for 8.6 free throws per game. And he, him playing like this leaves the Nets with flexibility to trade people, move people, not extend D'Lo if they don't have to. It he If he keeps playing this well like he did last year and this season, he's clearly here to stay, and he's not a fluke at and this point. And then he's one of those players that free agents are just going to want to play with. Like, he's just a genuine good guy. Like, no one's going to gonna come to, like, going to be like, I don't want to play with Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't like him. Like, I don't know a player in the league that doesn't like Spencer Dinwiddie, other than maybe Enos Cantor, because they were arguing about who's the best team in New York. But... That's a great contract for the Nets once again. Uh, congrats to Spencer Dinwiddie. If you ever listen to this podcast, we just want to say congratulations uh, on the Brooklyn Bowler of the Week award. So, yeah, that's it for this episode, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We, 36 minutes. We practiced a lot into this episode, so hopefully you all enjoyed it. And the Nets have a pretty good schedule for the upcoming week, so hopefully we can get some more wins. They play the Lakers, the Bulls, the Pacers, and the Suns in their next four before the doubleheader with the Hornets. So... Out of those six games, I believe four of them are easily winnable, and then they, the Lakers and Pacers are the other two, and I believe they can also win those. But the way the Nets are playing, hopefully they keep this going, keep winning games, and get into a playoff position soon. Hopefully. Um, uh, make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter, at HoopBallNets. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets, Hoop-Ball, HoopBallNets. Anything you want will come up. Make sure you leave a rating and a review, five-star rating. Every review is getting read on the podcast, so if you want to get your review read, make sure you go write one. Uh, subscribe to the your hosts on Twitter. I keep saying subscribe and follow, mixing them up. <laughs> follow your hosts on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes. On Twitter, I'm at Najee Adams underscore. If you don't know how to spell Najee, N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore. Hunter's at Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, that'll do it for this episode, guys. We'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.